0: Uh, the end of the work day. you can we join us on multiple platforms alone. streaming live and live across the great outkick radio network coming up armando salguero in 20 minutes sean merriman will join us uh, in about an hour from now yeah the show is flying by and we've got uh, plenty of headlines to hit we've certainly got injury updates across the nfl and more Football's around the corner. It's great.
1: It feels like uh, we've reached the point of training camp already where it's just uh, every NFL fan is just constantly crossing their fingers and their toes, hoping that a star player doesn't get injured, that you don't see the report that such and such player was carted off the field today at joint practice. That's what everyone is hoping for right now. And what everyone's hoping for are regular season games to get here, which the good news Hutton is, it's right around the corner. We're there. We're almost there. We almost made
0: it. We opened the show with our thoughts on the the Tui family saying, Hey, let's, let's end this madness. We'll just end the conservatorship with, with Michael Orr, which has been a storyline all week. And the storyline has flipped now from Michael Orr and going through, uh, the filings in the Shelby County, Tennessee court on Monday to now, uh, reading the reaction from Michael Lewis, who purchased the rights for the book, the blind side and his comments recently uh, to Chad, uh, even from the Tui family through attorneys on the financials and, and responding to the other allegations and specifically when Orr found out about the conservatorship and when he didn't, which Bobby Barack dug up, was 2011. He was writing about it in 2011. So where do you come down on how this story has progressed in 72 hours in a 24-hour news cycle?
1: I think it's a great lesson once again, about the news cycle, this is a lesson that I can hear out and I think everyone should know. Don't ever get overly settled in on an opinion based on one news report and one side of the story. We can easily say this all the time. And we say, well, let's wait for another report. Let's wait for the other side of this and see what happens. But I'm guilty of this also. And we all are. If there's an accusation that's made, if there's something that's big in the news cycle that hits and everyone sees it, our first thought is immediately, man, that's crazy. And then it starts to construct our opinion about that group, that person, whoever it may be. In this case, it was the Tui family, and our opinions, of the movie The Blind Side or the book The Blind Side by Michael Lewis, if you read the book. These are all things that immediately people went to. It's all fake. It's not true. None of this really happened. The Tuies are terrible people. And it's easy to fall into that trap based on one accusation. A key thing to remember when a story is reported or something comes out, is there another side to it? And when will the serve the serve happen? When will the volley happen? When will the return serve happen? When are we going to hear from the attorneys from the other side? So then we start to get the information out. The twoies come out and say they he tried to shake us down for $15 million years ago. Sean Toohey Jr. is saying he acknowledged in text messages in 2020 2020 and 2021, he knew of the conservatorship. They're talking about the money not being what Michael Orr claimed it to be. And now you have Bobby Barak talking about in 2011, he knew of the conservatorship. Point being, after the initial accusation and the lawsuit filed, it's been one steady hit to Michael Orr's claims after another. From the Tui family. So when something's reported, we got to wait. I got to wait. Everyone does. And there could be another side opinion. now. And now Michael Orr may come back to With it. A document I, or something. I can't completely settle into my opinion on the Tui's being right and Orr being wrong. We're all going to have an opinion because of lived experiences or whatever it may be, or bias based on what you want to be true. And we have to acknowledge that and be honest about it. Everyone has that. When you hear a story, you automatically have a bias one way or the other because you want the story to be juicy or you want this team or person to hurt or you want this team or person or people to be protected and to not hurt. We have to acknowledge those inherent biases when we see a story, but also acknowledge something else is going to happen. More news will come out and then the opinion may change. So don't settle into an opinion right away. This Michael Orr story And the back and forth now with the Tuie's and their attorneys, and what he wrote in 2011 in a book, and is he really just doing this for publicity? All of it, I think, is a good lesson in this, Hutton. Yeah, and and now we wait on the. You're right; it's
0: pretty easy to figure out one way or the other uh, what this comes down to, and the finances there, the two and a half percent that's been alleged that the Tuie's signed off on, but or says he didn't get a dime from. uh, Details are in the papers.
1: Well, even, you know, just texting about numbers. this with buddies, it like the the story comes out and everyone has a rooting interest. People want or to be right or they want the two's to be right right away with the story. Yeah. But we gotta hear both sides out, if you want to or not. But no matter what, people are gonna have that bias of which side they want to be correct in all of this. And I, I saw that with this story. This was a good illustration of what we see with a lot of stories, but I saw this as much with this one as any other story we've had recently. Well, no one took the side of wanting Sandra Bullock to give back the Oscar. That is good. Not a single person I know said that Sandy Bullock you know, should give should. back the Oscar. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think that like, we need to find these you know, hidden Twitter accounts with, na- with nameless, faceless, you know, different pictures on it, and they have a bunch of numbers, and just really like, interview these people that have an opinion that bad. That, that's who we need to talk to. Injury roundup from across
0: the NFL, Teron Armstead star left tackle for the Miami dolphins and a big signing for them. Um, He was carted off with a, uh, leg injury, but was then posting something about him walking around and saying that, you know, he's going to be back on track soon. Uh, still unknown on the recovery time for Teron Armstead. They don't have great backup options. In Miami, uh, Kendall Lamb comes to mind. He came through here for, you know, a a brief time uh, with the Titans offensive line and was a backup in Cleveland. Technically on the depth chart, he's the backup at left tackle. They have other options too, but Teron Armstead is the best, one of the best left tackles in football. And they need him as they've been loading up and putting everything behind Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, more details there after he was carted off, but walking, seen walking uh, elsewhere on social. Uh, Hassan uh, Reddick thumb surgery, and he's correcting an issue there. He should be ready for week one for the Philadelphia Eagles after having a great season a year ago. Jamison Williams, star wide out at Alabama. Now, the, the, one of the top picks last year for the Detroit Lions. He was injured last year. He's, of course, suspended for the first six games this year based on uh, the NFL gambling policy. He has a hamstring issue, and those soft tissue problems, especially at that position, can linger. Um, He's out for a couple of weeks. And Ashton Dullen, torn ACL, backup wide receiver in Indianapolis, starting wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, Traylon Burks. Chad, there is some good news, a silver lining, best possible case for Traylon Burks. Um, An ACL, not an ACL, an LCL sprain, not the ACL, an LCL sprain timetable from officially from the Titans and head coach Mike Vrabel is there. They don't have one at this point, but pro football doc, um, Dr. David Chow, he said it's a a two to six week time frame. My guess is it's closer to six than it is two. Um, And that would put him far past the uh, season opener for the Titans against the New Orleans Saints coming up on September 10th. Uh,
1: This uh, is great news for the Titans because it looked bad yesterday with the video and him being carted off and all of that, and he is going to be such a key part of what is a tenuous passing game situation for the Titans. Even with DeAndre Hopkins, it's one to watch just how effective it's going to be. But Traylon Burks, whatever projection you're going to have for the Titans offense was going to be a big part of it with or without DeAndre Hopkins. So good to know that he's going to be back relatively soon. Yeah, they, they have to have Burks and Hopkins. Their
0: offense looks awful when they're not on the field. Uh, passing game, we, we saw what happened last year. It's not much better if they lose one of those guys. Uh, we, we won't even mention losing both there. Uh, quote from Vrabel, no, I don't think it'll be a long-term injury. There is no ligament tears. It's the best-case scenario. There's relief. We will rehab him. And when he's completely healthy, we expect him to be back with us. Again, Dr. David Chow and pro football doc saying around six weeks for the LCL spring. Great rivalry, budding in the division of the NFC North. Jair Alexander, star corner for the Packers. Loves jawing with star wide receiver and the best wide receiver right now. Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. Jefferson recently responded to Jair Alexander at the end of last year, uh, dancing on what was uh, a great performance against a wide receiver going for 2,000 yards.
2: You uh, and Justin Jefferson, you did the gritty. Right after a play, you knocked down a ball. Talk about that a little
0: He thought he was going to come in there gritty, but I was the one gritty. And nobody's really worried about him. It just goes to show you the, the amount of attention that he was trying to give me. You can't call a 180-yard a, a fluke. That's something that's not a fluke. You, you can't just walk up on 180 yards in the NFL. Back and forth. Great performance, and then not a great performance. Great performance by Jair Alexander backing up the talk, but uh, this is must watch, and they, we get this twice a year now.
1: Has there ever been a receiver that tried to start a feud with a corner? I feel like it's always the other way around. It's the corner trying to provoke the receiver into a feud. It wasn't – Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson. It wasn't Justin Jefferson <laughs> that was trying to do the gritty, right, to start some long-going feud with Jair Alexander. It's always the other way around. And that's kind of the nature of the business. It is the corner's job to provoke. It is the receiver's job to get open and to torch the corner. But I like Justin Jefferson's response saying, you know, he's, he's trying to get at me. So it wasn't the other way around. He's, get, he's doing things to bring attention to me because I'm the star. We don't get Vikings
0: Packers until October 29th. So they have to wait until around Halloween, and then they play again on New Year's Eve towards Jor- the end of the Jordan year. Jordan
1: Love has apparently looked pretty good.
0: That's what they're saying, yeah. What if he's great?
1: If it's what another if Aaron Rodgers situation? Yes.
0: Aaron Rodgers backs Hall up Favre, then follows Favre's career to the New York Jets, and then here's Jordan Love uh, as the contract's about to- – <laughs> I know they got a one-year extension to what
1: he did, but the contract's about to expire, and he ends up being great. Well, good for him if so. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it would contradict every report and rumor we've heard from the Packers and people that cover the team. Because all and it, it, I can still remember it well. Every bit of coverage about the Packers under Favre with Aaron Rodgers, the backup, was Aaron Rodgers looks like the first overall pick that slid to them in the 20s of that draft. He looked great from the start. And it was all about we got to get to Aaron Rodgers sooner rather than later. Cannot let him sit forever, right? That was not the same thought. Not with the Jordan same. Love. Not the same. But but what? It what, was more of can we apologize enough to Aaron Rodgers to make him like us again, so he'll give us another one or two seasons? But what the difference though is Aaron Rodgers went back to back
0: MVPs while they were trying to turn things over. You couldn't just throw in the towel on him at his, he's still playing in his prime and they were trying to go for it.
1: Yeah. I think Brett Favre wasn't back-to-back MVPs, but was still playing well. But even if he was putting up MVP years, you would still get more of that's great, but this guy's young and he's doing great as well. So they're going to be just fine when they move on and go to him. I didn't hear a lot of that. It was more about, you know, hands and knees begging for Aaron Rodgers to make nice with them. So he could keep playing quarterback. They paid up. Chad, uh, does it make you feel old
0: knowing that we're going to watch head-to-head, Jerry Rice's son, go up against Deion Sanders' son in September as uh, USC will face off against Colorado?
1: You know, it honestly surprised me that Jerry Rice's kids aren't older. <laughs> My first response was, "Man, it feels like Jerry Rice should have like kids in their like thirties, uh, not not in college." Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm now trying to project the age. Yeah, so. He had a kid in his forties, I guess. So that's not I mean, too old, you know, for a guy to have he's kids. He's no Al Pacino. No, he's not uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, that, my immediate thought was, I feel like Jerry Rice's kids should all be through college by now. Was my first thought. But I, that's great. I, I went back and watched the highlight video of the seniors going head to head. Yeah, Dion and Jerry in the th- their three games head to head. Man, I love the NFL now, but I'm watching that and I'm thinking this it's different. This brought me back to a, an, a, everything when you're a kid is different and it's just more glorious because of your well, childhood. but I'm thinking that Falcons Falcons 49ers matchup that I saw. this would be like my Sunday afternoon after church noon kickoff on Fox, you know, watching these two go head to head. Uh, as a kid and being a 49ers fan as a kid it was awesome well and it
0: goes like we see things in baseball every day no one's seen before yeah um but even in the nfl there are plenty of players that hold up era to era we spoke with one of them yesterday with anthony munoz and when you watch the highlight clips of dion at corner you know there are a lot of corners now and the rules by the way have changed quite a bit but dion wasn't the he wasn't known for his tackling no, you know he's not trying to be the physical no, corner that got have away with it. Probably been better, but uh, today, the even the quick twitch and the hips. So yeah, he's then the, great in any era. The, inter, the interceptions, like you just don't see that at that level. And then Jerry Rice, even for the you know the Mount Rushmores of everyone we're hearing from uh, at wide receiver or different positions, um, with, you know Jamar Chase has Jerry Rice listed number one. Even the young guys that never watched him play. Maybe they did. They don't remember Jerry Rice playing.
1: Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders absolutely would cut through any era of football and be great. Jerry Rice the same way, with his route running. Well, his ability, but his work ethic. He would have been great. It's like in the, any era. the dumb debate that Larry Bird couldn't dominate
0: in the NBA right now. You know that, that's so stupid. Like even the legend, like Magic Johnson's reaction to that is, oh, he would, he would name his his performance he could tell you how many points he was going to put up in today's yeah, I
1: game i think Jokic is an example that a larry example. bird would be just fine today yeah Jokic has no speed no quickness i mean he's three inches taller than and larry bird that's about the difference and the right? way they
0: would shoot the basketball is unblockable yeah it's you can defend but you can't over the head shot that they've got
1: i mean there's a, there's a three inch difference between those two guys and larry bird's a better ball handler and passer. How many players today know. could say... I pretty
0: great at both, too. How many players today could say, I'm going to play the entire game left-handed and post 30-plus? Not many. Armando Salguero could write left-handed and win awards. He joins us he next, we thought, to NFL. <laughs> Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network each and every Thursday at this time. Pleased to be joined by Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer for Outkick.com. Armando, good to see you.
2: It's good to see you two guys. My favorite two guys every Thursday at 420 there are, look, there is no number two look
1: at the three musketeers right here. This is a trio. this is not a duo. this is a trifecta of great dudes right here on screen right now. I love it Armando looking
0: uh, across the league uh, we're starting to see injuries take effect on some of these starting rosters that's the big headline this time of year isn't it just the uh, the 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 war of attrition and trying to get guys ready for September 10th instead of trying to make sure that they're getting reps during training camp it is a tough balance for coaches
2: well uh yeah no there's no doubt about it the Ravens are you know juggling cornerbacks right now because Marlon Humphreys is is hurt and the Jets offensive line is a mess because Dwayne Brown still hasn't practiced and and they've got Makai Becton, who has no confidence about his injury, and they're trying to build that. Teron Armstead in Miami left the field today on a cart. He's going to be supposedly fine, but, you know, he's got a history of being injured. Will Levis in Tennessee uh, left practice today, and now they don't know if he's going to be able to play this weekend. So, yeah, um, it's a... I believe it is a contact sport and the bodies wear down. There's no doubt about it.
0: Wearing down before the the build up for the regular season. When when Dalvin Cook was talking with the Dolphins, how surprised are you that he's not a Miami Dolphin and he ends up with the Jets?
2: It's not surprising because he went with the team that offered more money. <laughs> so, uh I And I understand the genesis of your question, because obviously Dalvin Cook went to Miami Central High School, was born in Miami, lives in Miami, and grew up, you know, rooting for the Miami Dolphins. But Dalvin Cook is a business guy as well. And, you know, U.S. dollars beats Miami sunshine. What can I tell you? All I would say about the Dalvin Cook signing with the New York Jets is um, it's good for him because he doesn't have to carry the load in New York, assuming that Brees Hall is going to be okay. Brees Hall looks like he's fine. I would say that Brees Hall is going to take a while and take a minute before he's the same player that he was the carry before he blew out his injury last year. And in the meantime, Dalvin Cook can step into the breach, but he doesn't have to carry the entire load.
0: Yeah. And and I know you agree with the sentiment of, of Chad and I, he has a lot left in the tank. It's not like uh, maybe the feel of Ezekiel Elliott towards the end of a career. Cook can come in and it's not just, he can be the the primary ball carrier if needed, but he doesn't have to be. And it's just another luxury signing for the Jets.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, last year, if you looked at what Dalvin Cook did, I watched him against the Buffalo Bills, and he had an 88-yard run for a touchdown. I watched him against the Miami Dolphins, and he had like a 52, 54-yard run for a touchdown. The Jets play the Dolphins and the Bills twice this year as they are wont to do because they are division rivals. And so based on that history, you know that he can do it against the teams that obviously are vying for a playoff spot and a division championship just like the Jets are. Uh, That alone tells you, let me see, dynamic and productive and against rivals. Check, check, check. Those are good things for the New York Jets. But again, and I have to caution everyone, and my wife is tired of me cautioning her because I talk to her about it all the time. The Jets' offensive line is problematic right now. It's very problematic. Um, I'm not a believer in that line. I believe that someone at OutKick this week said that the Jets are trying to win a Super Bowl with a Toilet Bowl offensive line.
0: Who would that be? I wonder.
2: A very uh, awarded <laughs> and...
1: Uh, lots of accolades, whoever wrote that. Has, that Salguero has lots of accolades, no, no doubt about yes. it. And I look, I, I don't want to take too much away from you know watching Hard Knocks, but if the Jet season is derailed, Armando... Watching this week, and you brought up the offensive line, watching Aaron Rodgers have to tell the center repeatedly not to spin the ball when he snaps it to him and tell him how he likes the ball dead in his hands, flat in his hands on the snap, jamming his finger on another under center snap, and then him yelling with the microphone on, are we going to block anyone in the middle during the, uh, the, the, the uh, practice against the Panthers I'm going to keep going back to those moments and thinking, okay, this is where the facade of everything is great. Aaron Rodgers started to get stripped away, and he started to realize, uh uh-oh, we might have a problem here. I'm sure you probably watched the latest episode, but it goes right back to what you're saying about that being the problem spot on this roster. How quickly does it become a problem spot with Aaron Rodgers and his attitude towards that group if things continue to not get any better?
2: If you listen to Aaron Rodgers on Hard Knocks, it's become a problem already. If you listen to Aaron Rodgers at his press conference yesterday where, you know, unvarnished Aaron Rodgers did not show up, but rather very varnished Aaron Rodgers showed up, it's not a problem at all. They're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And he did say yesterday that he wants a starting offensive line sooner rather than later. They don't have that. He needs them to have a certain amount of chemistry, and he believes, by his estimation, that that takes at least a week to get. I got news for Aaron Rodgers that doesn't take a week to get. That often takes an entire season to come by, and so if he's expecting those di- you know, different guys who haven't always and often played together to have cohesion and chemistry... After one, you know, uh, if they practice together one week before the start of the regular season, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been paying attention to offensive line work the last, you know, 17 years of his career, or he's outright lying. Which one of those is more likely? Hmm, well, well I wonder.
1: lucky for Aaron Rodgers, he didn't have to play behind that offensive line against Carolina. Unlucky for Bryce Young, he did have to play. Uh, behind his offensive line for the Panthers, and he was getting hit on every drop back uh, against the Jets. Armando, what do you make of the the whole idea of you can't damage the confidence of the rookie quarterback, that this came back with Anthony Richardson being named the starter in Indianapolis? Don't put him out there with this team and ruin the kid's confidence when he needs work and needs development. When you look at all the rookie quarterbacks, what's your response when you hear
2: that? My response is all rookie quarterbacks are not the same, just like all people are not the same. I don't like uh, to make statements that covers the entirety of a population of, of, of people, including quarterbacks. There are some rookie quarterbacks that if you throw them out there, even though they are not ready, they will fight through, they will improve, they will get better. There are some rookie quarterbacks that if you throw them out there when they're not ready, they will soil their pants and it will never be the same and you will ruin them. And so that's why it's up to coaches and and front offices to know the difference and to know which one of those is in your huddle because not all of them are the same. I would say Anthony Richardson – is one of those guys, in the, the Indianapolis rookie quarterback, who is going to be the starter in week one and has already been named such. He is one of those guys that can fight through and needs to play and wants to play. And everybody understands that it's going to be rough uh, on and off, mostly on. And I think that he can overcome and not completely melt down and not completely loses confidence, and you don't lose him for a career. There are other guys that I have questions about. Uh, I'm not sure about C.J. Stroud. I thought that it was terrible that rookie head coach D'Amico Ryans and his rookie offensive coordinator put C.J. Stroud out there against Carolina last week with the starters, except the offensive line starters weren't in there three of the starters didn't play. And I I talked to an NFL, you know, coach this week, and I said, am I wrong? Uh, I mean, is it okay to do what the Houston Texans did? And what he said was "Inexperience," And that is D'Amico Ryans, a defensive-minded coach, throwing a quarterback out there, and his rookie offensive coordinator didn't speak up and say, we can't put our future face of the franchise on the field if we also don't put our best blockers for him on the field. And so what happened in the game? C.J. Stroud took a few hits. In fact, every other play, basically. it was not, I don't know how he grew from that.
0: Armando, the, just among the rookie conversation here, the one, like, it's not a silver lining, but w- with three of the four, I can at least say I know they're going to have a run game that the rookie can lean on, even if Levis had to play in Tennessee. Uh, Miles Sanders in, in Cal- Carolina, we know the Texans can run the football with who they have as dual threats. Um, and then there's Indy. What is Jonathan Taylor going to get healthy and play? Is that the expectation?
2: I could tell you that I know but I'd be lying to you because it's not just, is he going to get healthy and play? It's, is he going to be healthy and want to play? Right, yeah. Uh, And look, there's a way for for Jonathan Taylor to not be 100%, but be 100% bought in. And there's a way for Jonathan Taylor to be a hundred percent, but not be bought in at all. And right now he's neither, uh, because he's, he's, he's not happy with the way his contract situation has been handled. He's taken it personally. And, um, I, I can't tell you that, you know, their regular season opener, he's going to be there and going to be ready to go. I, I, I don't know.
0: Are you hearing much on Jacksonville and they're returning practically everybody? They've got a, a nice young core, but also a quarterback that's supposed to take a grand step with Peterson in year two. In the final minute here, what, what have you heard about their camp and the buzz surrounding where they should be in December?
2: That's going to be a good team. and It should be. And, yeah, and Calvin Ridley is going to, you know, just be a monster I I really do think that what they had last year was good but they lacked a certain amount of uh what's the word dynam dynamis- dynamism dynamism they lacked a dynamic player on the outside I mean you know they had playmakers but they didn't have people that could go 80 yards uh, Calvin Ridley is that guy and he's got fresh legs. He didn't play last year. (laughs) He's got fresh legs. Hopefully
0: not an app. And
2: and, and, yeah. And (laughs) maybe he, I hope he deleted that one (laughs) from his iPhone or whatever. And he's got something to prove, which is a bad combination for who, for the other teams in the division, because Trevor Lawrence is going to be okay. He's gotten it. Those interceptions in the playoffs notwithstanding.
0: Loving all the work at OutKick.com, Armando, as usual. And uh, love to catch you up each and every Thursday around the league. We appreciate you.
2: I appreciate you, man. See ya.
0: There he is. Armando Salguero. All things National Football League. Uh, yeah, if you Always just, brings it. Chad, if you just look at their depth chart in Jacksonville. I mean, it, they should be a pretty good team depth-wise based on all the draft picks they've had and how high they draft in every round. They, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence takes that next climb, hits that next shelf, they win this division easily. And, I, 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 and, yeah. and that's if they continue that progression based on the way they finished well, last season. Years and
1: years of being bad and drafting very high has finally paid easily, off. Easily, I'm
0: saying, like two games or something. Like, again, it's not. it should not come down to the final game if Jacksonville ends up being the surprise team that's under the radar right now a bit because of the division and because of how stacked the AFC is. Not Super Bowl, but they're playoff worthy, and I don't think we talk about them enough. Ja Morant, he's been talked about quite a bit, but details next on The Playing Card. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Utley with Rolls on.
1: Chad, what? It's, uh, it's always uh, nice out here on a Thursday at Sixth and Peabody. Yeah. Nice nice atmosphere. Business is picking up. Brooke and our, our staff uh, went out there and comes back with uh, chips and queso. Oh. And I asked why, and she said, I don't want to wait on anything. And then I was ready to crush her for her order, <laughs> and I thought, that's actually pretty damn smart. If you don't want to come back and have to wait on them to bring you anything, and also very nice of her to not have the staff bring it back here to the studio, so she got chips and queso.
0: You're upset that she didn't bring any back for you? Uh, Well,
1: now I want chips and queso. Uh, Also, the the two things happened here.
0: Chad will have queso and chips in 20 minutes. I
1: was rationed a crumble cookie last night. I I don't know the serving sizes because I didn't want to do the math on it to know what the whole cookie was. Uh, I didn't really get to experience the crumble cookie because I got home. Some of the cookies were already eaten. <laughs> then I had to take my oldest daughter to go coach her in softball practice, and everyone else wanted to have the cookie early. I wanted the cookie after practice. Yeah, that's. I mean, Lucy so deserved it. it. Was her four? four I percent. was rationed one cookie. Had there been more cookie available, was I would have worst eaten more cookie. Cookie or was it the? Oh no, wanted? it was a Twix flavored cookie oh, that good. was uh, unbelievably. But well, there's no worst, right? Yeah, I mean, you. I had to have like a entire glass of milk <laughs> with this thing. To enjoy it. It's that rich. Davy wouldn't. And has it has that much sugar. <laughs> Davey wouldn't eat for two weeks. He'd go fast for two weeks. I'd even just thought about the image of milk. Yes. It crossed his mind. But it was, uh, it was good. Chad, what was... Uh, now? I want chips and queso. Thanks, Brooke. What was the era
0: of the trading cards for you?
1: So the era of the trading cards Mine was for like sixth through... Sixth and seventh grade, primarily. Younger than that for me. I'd say starting in like first or second grade. Uh, I got big into the baseball cards. Every time I went to the store with my Nana, my grandmother, who I was around a lot as a kid, I would ask to uh, pick out a pack of baseball cards, and Nana would always say yes. So I'd get the baseball cards, and then I'd arrange them. I remember I started to them by team, and then I'd go by league, and I had different ways of trying to arrange them in those. I loved the feeling of the, the card book. You know, as you turn the plastic oh, yeah. sheets of paper through, and you're going just the smell of it, the whole Would thing trade was them? awesome. I was big on trading. I got just uh, gypped in trades by my older brother, who was seven years older, who was much better at collecting baseball cards than I yeah. was. So I think I made two really bad trades and stopped. It's I've like when Bill Belichick wants to do a trade, <laughs> and everybody gets real. You know, wh- yeah. Why is he doing this? That type. I, of thing. I think
0: I've told you, Mike. I, I'm not. I don't want to come across as complaining about a Christmas gift. But I I remember so bummed. But
1: complain about it, please. Go ahead.
0: Back back in the day, this is probably 95, I don't know, 95, 96. And one of my my great aunts (laughs) uh, at at the big Christmas on my mom's side of the family, everyone would, you, you would like draw a name, right? Instead of giving everyone a gift. And my name was drawn. and We I'm, still
1: do that every year, by the way, with the cousins, extended we, we, family.
0: We do as well. Uh, uh, the, the family has dwindled a bit, unfortunately. But the, uh, the immediate family, I'm saying, we've got the, we still do the, the gifts. But I open up these trading cards. Uh, it's like 94, 95, something like that. And it's a box of trading cards from like 1983. Which probably
1: was uh, expensive, no. no. No? Was it like an off-brand? It wasn't Don no, this, Russ? this it is like tops. from a flea market. It, the Upper Deck wasn't around. 89 was Upper Deck's first year, I know, because of the uh, King Griffey Jr. rookie card that's <laughs> in that first uh, issue of Upper Deck. That, this was like an off-brand Chinese knockoff. Yeah, it was almost like a cereal box brand. Set. They called them a set. Yeah, it came you with a, the set. a real crunchy piece of chewing gum. Oh, yeah. Those, but the chewing gum, I mean, you had to break that thing and up this into was eight like pieces the, to try like to consume
0: lo- it. this was like the the log box one, you know, not yeah. the,
1: Oh, that's yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So speaking of log boxes, <laughs> I think the, my best construction project as a child was, uh, I lived on to kind of give you the mental image of where I live. I lived on my grandparents land and me and my parents lived like in a house on their land, kind of a guest house situation, And my parents were, or my grandparents were next door, Nana, who I told you would always buy me the mansion, the the, uh, guest home. RIP Nana would always buy me the baseball cards, never asked. And then there was, we had land next to us that my grandfather gave to my sister when she got married. So they built on that land when I was probably nine or 10. Yeah. I would say they built the house on that land. So I would go down to the construction of that land. And I said, you know what, my, my grandfather's handy. I can learn how to do something. I'm going to build a box out of just found materials around the house. And, I mean, it was the simplest project like ever. you're
0: dating Shailene Woodley.
1: <laughs> yes. I was, I'm basically found Aaron Rodgers at this point. I was big into ayahuasca at the time, too, as a 10-year-old. I had a darkness retreat before it was cool. I just put a, a box over my head and didn't have light on for a while. It's amazing. I was very zen as a, as yeah. a small child. But no, I, I go down there and I I, like, I found, I remember I could probably still find it, but it was just like pieces of uh, plywood. And then I found them where they had cut them off, you know, to to, to measure them out in f- like four or five equal things. And I just, I nailed a box together and I put baseball cards in oh, them. Oh, that was remember, filing. But I remember thinking like, th- I, this is the most... Ambitious thing that any child has ever done. <laughs> I should get some sort of award, a wood woodworking award, but also just I should be in model UN. I should be in everything, <laughs> and I took it to my grandfather Signed up for a
0: pinewood derby. My, my after.
1: grand, my grandfather who who this man made bunk beds for me when I went to college, steel bunk beds. All right, he could make anything. He built both houses that I was around my entire life, just himself. He would hire like one guy to help showed him occasionally. Him this box. I showed him this box and he looks at it and says, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of splinters on your hands if you carry that thing around. Like he wanted me to finish the wood. Be careful with the nails. You know, nails. It was like wood where you picked it up and you're getting splinters on it because it wasn't shaved down. Your head just sinks. At all. And yeah, I'm just thinking. Uh, but Gee, I, kept, I kept the box. I put a lot of baseball We should put it in the background there. here. It's, basi- it's I, I, I bet my parents have it somewhere. It's basically uh, what I just put all the discarded baseball cards I didn't want in. So everything I didn't care about, I, if I didn't Your care enough put about it, have it to put it, put it protected in the plastic sheet in the card book, I would put it in this box that gave everybody splinters if they picked it up. Chad, if you're, uh, uh, maybe some of our viewers, listeners have kids or
0: they collect trading cards now, the Ja Morant rookie card there was a point to all of our baseball cards yeah the Morant baseball cards um it is skyrocketed now when i say skyrocketed based on what we were able to look at the john ja morant rookie card in this this particular one was going for about 35 bucks online it's now going for like 200 to 230 bucks but it did it overnight and here's why uh, in the background of the john ja morant rookie card. The Tuies, Sean and Leanne Tuohy, oh. are sitting on the baseline. And then on the other side of Morant our uh, two rappers, uh, RIP, both Key Glock and Young Dolph are also in attendance. But you have the Tuies sitting next to rappers at the game. Two now deceased rappers. Yes, but sitting next to the Tuies, of course, in the headlines this week, and John Morant's rookie card there. A uh, very random photo where, I mean, he's just, you know, he's flexing after a play in the old school Grizzlies uniforms down in Memphis.
1: That's great. I, I thought it was just because John Morant, they're speculating he may not play again or something because of all the issues that he's had. So now his rookie card goes up in value. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but that is definitely a collector's item.
0: Yeah. Uh so I guess so would be the Mark Jackson rookie card because the Menendez brothers are also in the background of this one, uh, you know, people that are surveying oh, the crowd. Awesome. The Menendez brothers are in the background of Mark Jackson's original rookie card. NBA Hoops. I haven't seen that in a long time. The brand.
1: I don't... I remember the looking at the, the Hoops logo. I remember that. I don't remember... You see the far left? Wasn't this more than a, a basketball card brand? I feel like it was like a crossover. Did a bunch of different like things. Like a magazine or something? I do see the Menendez brothers on the far left. Um, that's awesome. Now I want people to have, be private investigators and go and look at every card ever and see if there's any famous person... Well, in the background.
0: It makes me want to go through it. Like, I mean, I I don't know where my old cards are. I don't know if they still exist. But, like, go through and look at that instead of. But I, I, not many have the or have the clarity of this. A lot of times it's just middle of the court doing something, right? Yeah. A pass,
1: a shot, a dunk. Well, Super 70 Sports, great Twitter follow. Yes. It's hilarious. Yes. They go through old that's baseball cards all the time. And they'll post and they'll put a description of the player that's shown. I mean, some of these guys play Major League Baseball in the (laughs) '70s and '80s. Just hilarious the style, the lack of any type of uh, athletic shape that they're in. Yeah, when they're playing, they look like they're playing a beer league, you know, church softball league type deal. It's amazing seeing some of these guys. uh, One of the best Twitter follows out there. Definitely smokers. Definitely smokers, drinkers, like in the dugout. Drinkers, not just casually after the game, drinking before, after the game. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Definite alphas. How about the video I sent you of Aaron Rodgers uh, during Hard Knocks? Oh. That is on Hard Knocks. You need to watch that part. It is amazing, incredible. Jed, uh, happy birthday to the girl that's oh uh, happy Ash birthday for the happy birthday. Yeah, yeah.
0: here at Sixth and Peabody, uh, demanding the birthday. She's got a day over fifteen. Yeah, uh, I don't know how she's in here. One right of the now. Woo girls. Uh, for sure. no clue how she's in here. About to hop on a party bus here in downtown. Um, Gronkowski may be on a party bus currently out of the league he joined uh, up in Adams with Kay Adams and was asked a, a very good question that you he actually gave some thought to who is the one coach that could bring Rob Drunkowski out of retirement Brian Dabo wants
2: me on his don't, roster don't I know do it don't do Gronk we can't, Gronk, we can't <laughs> he won't have that Gronk, face if I was Gronk, on the can, team with him Gronk we can't keep doing this I know but where's, I love to do where's it where's the window is it I love to do it though is it like open is I it, love to pretend that I can still play just you makes me get, feel you good. You could. You definitely could still play. No, I can't. I'm washed up. Who's the coach that but has I just the, like to pretend. Who's the coach that just has just the best chance to get you out of retirement? Um Brian Dable. Really? Yeah. Really? Not Sean McDermott? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my hometown team. Mm, <laughs> your favorite team. But Brian Dable. Brian David yeah. could get you out. What would you say? If you call I mean, him can't, what would he, he have to say? He to can't get me out of retirement but he would have the best chance to get me out of retirement. I mean it could be you and Waller, can you imagine that? That would be pretty wild. I always believe that having two tight ends is the best the it makes the defense have the most difficult times. If you have two tight ends I think that can make an offense unstoppable. And it's rare. I mean, if you go back to my days yeah. when I when I had another tight end with me, I mean, it just makes the offense just prolific.
1: He's talking about Aaron Hernandez there, back yeah. in his days with another tight end, right? Yeah, Prolific is one way to describe Aaron Hernandez, that's for sure. How about Gronk going uh, successfully from interview voice to, like, sweet, sexy whisper, back to interview voice in the same answer to a question? That that was what was impressive. He got very sultry is this, in the middle uh, of it. No, I, I don't know. I, I, breathy. Have to, I have to go there. I have to, Kay. I have to go there. And then back to... But when I had another tight end, that was something that was... Let's go back to... the He's a man of many talents. But he starts it by saying, Brian Dayball wants me on his roster.
0: Darren Waller's there, of course. Uh, That would be quite Can he play still? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. He was pretty good the last time he was out there, right? That guy could... uh, If you you sign him in December, get ready for a playoff run? Absolutely. Uh, Their wide
1: receiving core includes Jalen Hyatt. Gronk seems like a guy that would have fit in on some of those 1970s baseball cards we're talking about in that era. He would have been right at home. Their wide
0: wide receiving group, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Wondell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Jalen Hyatt, uh, Cole Beasley as well, plus David Sills, who joined our show a long time ago, I believe. But David Sills, Chad, is the 13-year-old, or was he a seventh? He was a seventh-grade quarterback that committed to USC when Kiffin was there.
1: That Lane Kiffin offered, yeah. yeah. He was at USC. But he was from, like, Delaware.
0: That sounds right. Right.
1: Yeah. I remember he was from some place that I was thinking I didn't know they had. Or Delaware then transferred there. to
0: California and did some Anyway, he ends up at West Virginia and then he is uh, of course a wide receiver there. Now he's a, a backup on the the Giants roster trying to earn a, a roster spot. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones could do some damage.
1: Yeah, it so would Saquon not be set up for him for drunk,
0: sure. and Waller. And then Tarod Taylor's the backup there if anything were to happen with with
1: Daniel Jones. I think the league with Gronk in it is just infinitely better. Well, no he was the where one, he, is he was the one doing. that
0: said that, and confirmed that they were going to Vegas. Tom Brady was yeah. going to be To be an owner. The, no, no, no. To play before he went to oh, Tampa. That was
1: before Tampa, yeah. This was before But it was Bruden that nixed started. it.
0: Yep. That was Gronk's story. Sean Merriman about to join us. Lights out. I'm curious. From his perspective, the best defensive player in the league. Is it Micah Parsons? Is it someone else who comes to mind for Merriman? That's next on Hot